Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 183. One of the most difficult things that we face in life is the reality of our own death and the pain and suffering that comes with the death of those we love. And the question that I've often wondered about is, is there anything after death, but also is there any hope then? And our passages today provide us with a stark reality of the pain and the horror of death and of sin and of the brokenness of this world, but it also provides us with incredibly wonderful hope, what I'll call a resurrection hope. And so as we work through these passages, I hope you will hear the reality of the pain and the suffering is real, but also the fact that what we hear and who we hear about will speak to us of a a resurrection hope that helps us move through these difficult times and get to a place of recognizing that even death, while an enemy, is not the end. So let's begin today with Isaiah 52, beginning at verse 13, and working through to Isaiah 55, where we meet a suffering servant who is ultimately Jesus Christ himself. So Isaiah 52, verse 13. Look, my servant will succeed. He will be elevated, lifted high, and greatly exalted, just as many were horrified by the sight of you. He was so disfigured, he no longer looked like a man. His form was so marred, he no longer looked human. So now he will startle many nations. Kings will be shocked by his exaltation, for they will witness something announced, unannounced to them, and they will understand something they had not heard about. Who would have believed what we just heard? When was the Lord's power revealed through him? He sprouted up like a twig before God, like a root out of parched soil. He had no stately form or majesty that we might ca- that might catch our attention, no special appearance that we should want to follow him. He was despised and rejected by people, one who experienced pain and was acquainted with illness. People hid their faces from him. He was despised and we considered him insignificant. But he lifted up our illnesses, he carried our pain. Even though we thought he was being punished, attacked by God and afflicted for something he had done. He was wounded because of our rebellious deeds, crushed because of our sins. He endured punishment that made us well. Because of his wounds, we have been healed. All of us had wandered off like sheep. Each of us had strayed off on his own path. But the Lord caused the sin of all of us to attack him. He was treated harshly and afflicted, but he did not even open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughtering block, like a sheep silent before her shearers, He did not even open his mouth. He was led away after an unjust trial. But who even cared? Indeed, he was cut off from the land of the living. Because of the rebellion of his own people, he was wounded. They intended to bury him with criminals, but he ended up in a rich man's tomb, because he had committed no violent deeds, nor had he spoken deceitfully. Though the Lord desired to crush him and make him ill, once restitution is made, he will see descendants and enjoy long life and the Lord's purpose will be accomplished through him. Having suffered, he will reflect on his work. He will be satisfied when he understands what he has done. My servant will acquit many. 
for he carried their sins. So I will assign him a portion with the multitudes. He will divide the spoils of victory with the powerful, because he willingly submitted to death and was numbered with the rebels when he lifted up the sin of many and intervened on behalf of the rebels. Just going to take a quick pause. If you uh, would like to, this would be a great exercise is to actually take the passage part that I just read and then read the accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection and see how many parallels and how many things come through in the same way. Back to Isaiah chapter 54. Shout for joy, O barren one who has not given birth. Give a joyful shout and cry out, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one are more numerous than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Make your tent larger, stretch your curtain, your tent curtains farther out, spare no effort, lengthen your ropes and pound your stakes deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your children will conquer nations and will resettle desolate cities. Don't be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be intimidated, for you will not be humiliated. You will forget about the shame you experienced in your youth. You will no longer remember the disgrace of your abandonment. For your husband is the one who made you. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your protector, the Holy One of Israel. He is called God of the entire earth. Indeed, the Lord will call you back like a wife who has been abandoned and suffers from depression, like a young wife when she has been rejected, says your God. For a short time I abandoned you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In a burst of anger I rejected you momentarily, but with lasting devotion I will have compassion on you, says your protector, the Lord. As far as I'm concerned, this is like in Noah's time, when I vowed that the waters of Noah's flood would never again cover the earth. In the same way, I vowed that I will not be angry at you or shout at you. Even if the mountains are removed and the hills displaced, my devotion will not be removed from you, nor will my covenant of friendship be displaced, says the Lord, the one who has compassion on you. O afflicted one driven away and unconsoled, look, I am about to set your stones in antimony and lay your foundation with lapsus luzili. I will make your pinnacles out of gems, your gates out of beryl, and your outer wall out of beautiful stones. All your children will be followers of the Lord, and your children will enjoy great prosperity. You will be reestablished when I vindicate you. You will not experience oppression. Indeed, you will not be afraid. You will not be terrified, for nothing frightening will come near you. If anyone dares to challenge you, it will not be my doing. Whoever tries to challenge you will be defeated. Look, I create the craftsman who fans the coals into a fire and forges a weapon. I create the destroyer so he might devastate. No weapon forged to be used against you will succeed. You will refute everyone who tries to accuse you. This is what the Lord will do for his servants. I will vindicate them, says the Lord. Hey, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, buy and drink. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why pay money for something that will not nourish you? Why spend your hard-earned money on something that will not satisfy Listen carefully to me and eat what is nourishing. Enjoy fine food. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so you can live. Then I will make an unconditional covenant, covenantal promise with, to you, just like the reliable covenantal promises I made to, Jacob, to David. Look, I made him a witness to nations, a ruler and a commander of nations. Look, you will summon nations you did not previously know. Nations that did not previously know you will run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he bestows honor on you. Seek the Lord while he makes himself available. Call to him while he is nearby. 
The wicked need to abandon their lifestyle and sinful people their plans. They should return to the Lord and he will show mercy to them and to their God for he will freely forgive them. Indeed, my plans are not like your plans and my deeds are not like your deeds, says the Lord. For just as the sky is higher than the earth, so my deeds are superior to your deeds and my plans superior to your plans. The rain and the snow fall from the sky and do not return but instead water the earth and make it produce and yield crops and provide seed for the planter and food for those who must eat. In the same way, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished nothing. No, it is realized as I desire and it is fulfilled as I intend. Indeed, you will go out with joy and you'll be led along in peace. The mountains and the hills will give joyful shout before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Evergreens will grow in the place of thorn bushes. Firs will grow in the place of nettles. They will be a monument to the Lord, a permanent reminder that will remain. And there we have a, a beautiful connection between God saving his people through the suffering servant and then calling out to them to no longer mourn or weep because he will re remove their sadness. He will make a new way. He will create a new life and he will restore all things. And we see this also, this kind of joy and connection in Psalm 128. And in this psalm, we, uh, it's a shorter psalm, we basically get a chance to enjoy uh, calling out to God as a loyal follower and seeing that he is the God who will bless and restore. Psalm 128, a song of ascents. How blessed is everyone of the Lord's loyal followers, each one who keeps his commands. You will eat what you worked so hard to grow. You will be blessed and secure. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the inner rooms of your house. Your children will be like olive branches as they sit all around your table. Yes, indeed, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed in this way. May the Lord bless you from Zion, that you might see Jerusalem prosper all the days of your life, and that you might see your grandchildren. May Israel experience peace. And now we move to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul relays and explains the gospel in its simplest and most beautiful way, but then also speaks quite lengthily about the resurrection from the dead and Jesus' resurrection first and then those who trust in him to follow. And it's a great chapter to consider and to meditate on, to think about in terms of what is life after death really like. And in this chapter, we get great insights that give, I hope and pray, also great hope. 1 Corinthians 15. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received, and on which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as though to one born at the wrong time, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me has not been in vain. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, 
yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is the way you believed. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is futile, and your faith is empty. Also, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead, when in reality he did not raise him, if indeed the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless, and you are still in your sins. Furthermore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. For if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we should be pitied more than anyone. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then when Christ comes, those who belong to him. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, when he has brought to an end all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be eliminated is death. For he has put everything in subjection under his feet. But when he says, when it says everything has been put on, in subjection, it is clear that he does not include the one who put everything in subjection to him. And when all things are subjected to him, when the Son himself will be subjected, then the Son himself will be subjected to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why then are they baptized for them? Why too are we in danger every hour? Every day I am in danger of death. This is as sure as my boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. If from a human point of view I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what did it benefit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Sober up as you should, and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Fool, what you sow will not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he planned, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same. People have one flesh, animals have another, birds and fish another. And there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly body is of one sort and, of, and the earthly another. There is one glory of the sun and a glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. It is the same with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living person. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural. 
and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, made of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the one made of dust, so too are those made of dust. And like the one from heaven, so too are are those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now this is what I am saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the, blink, uh, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this, imperishable, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will happen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I hope you were able to follow along as we worked through that chapter. There were some arguments that the Apostle Paul makes, and basically he's saying that Jesus died for your sins. He was raised to prove his power over sin and over death, the ultimate final enemy. And that because he was raised in a resurrected body, both body and soul, that those who trust in him will also too be raised and given a resurrected body like Jesus's. And that will be the reason we have hope, not just in this life, but for the life and eternity to come. And so we see in these passages, Jesus being that one willingly suffering on our behalf, the one who rises from the dead, and the one who gives us a resurrection hope that no one else can give. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there, whispering the truth.